Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, my friends, you're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, and email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. I about fell out of the broadcast chair this morning because I looked, and as I was uh, bringing the program live, I looked up, and lo and behold, you're not going to believe this. We're on YouTube again. We're out of YouTube's timeout. They have no. I'm telling you, they have no idea. I don't want to get into this, but they have no idea what they're doing over there. They have no idea what they told me they're going to do. They certainly didn't do what they told me they were going to do as far as our timeout was concerned, but that's okay. That is okay. We'll be up there for some period of time, and I'm sure they'll find some other reason to take us down because, again, this is just who they are. They don't like the ideas. They don't like... Uh, the positions of conservatism, they are radical leftists, and they are positioned to, well, make sure that their side wins the argument. And when you don't have an argument, I guess what you do is you shut the other side up. So there you go, YouTube. That's what I think about you. But anyway, I want to talk today. Today's going to be a little bit different. We don't do, as you well know, uh, many interviews. For those of you who uh, listen to this program, you know that to be that to be the case. But today we're going to talk about critical race theory, in particular critical race theory um, in, well, in your public schools, in your, in our public school. Is this happening? Is this happening in our, well, we know it is happening, but is it specifically happening in your school? And I've I've got a, um, a guest today. His name is Dan Ferraro. And he is, well, he's still technically a middle school teacher at Hen, uh, Henley Middle School in Charlottesville, Virginia, Albemarle County School District, Charlottesville, Virginia. And he's going to share his story um, of just what's happened in his school district. You can find out. In fact, I, I think he forwarded me last night. Breitbart's been covering um, the story of, of what's happening there in in his particular school district and he's he's trying to to shed light on what's on what's going on. He's trying to you know share his experience and I just the reason that it's so intriguing to me is that these are the sorts of things that are festering below the surface or behind the scenes in all sorts of public schools around the country. And it could very well be your local school district as well. Because he he kind of explains <clears throat> explains how the teachers, uh, at least in his district, are conditioned or instructed to go about pushing this stuff uh, on on students. And critical race theory is a um it's just a it's an it's an anti-american theory is what it is 
I don't even know if it's a it's a theory. It's just a the latest way for them to change America as as founded. And essentially, without getting into all of it, essentially, I guess what you need to know about critical race theory is that America is so corrupted by her uh, founding that it permeated into all aspects of American life, into our racism, did um, into our government uh, government institutions, into our you know the way that the free market economy built the you know the country and so forth. It's permeated everything and it's ruined everything. In fact, it is so bad. It is. Uh, the amount of racism in this country is so bad. It's systemically just destroyed everything that we have. The society needs a, a reboot. And, of course, who better to do this than the radical left? The radical left's got ideas that will fix this, of course. Wink, wink. And they will show us how to purge ourselves from this this critical, well, just this inherently racist foundation of america and the best way to do it says the radical left which now controls the teachers unions which controls public education in a lot of ways controls the media in a lot of ways controls government in a lot of ways controls super big business super big business in a lot of ways they're not necessarily the entrepreneur the startup the small business person but they are controlling the super big business they control hollywood entertainment so on and so forth sports now the woke are all around us but so this this concept basically says america is so flawed and ruined because of its founding um, the, the way that it was founded it needs to basically we need to hate it we need to turn away from it and we need to run away from every part of our founding now that is way out of line. I'm going to take an early break here so that we can squeeze in our entire conversation. But um, the truth is America was founded upon amazing ideas, liberty, freedom. You're a citizen, not a subject. You're created in the image of God, that liberties come from him, not from your government. And prosperity was unleashed on this country because of accepting the truths of the way that, well, the truths of this world, I suppose. Now, within those series of ideas was a terrible, deplorable idea, and that was slavery. That was slavery. The founders did not fully embrace the ideas that they wrote in the document, that all men were created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of of happiness. They ignored that and they pursued slavery. However, there was a way to eradicate this and it took candidly a civil war uh, to uh, completely eradicate it. But nonetheless, this is how uh, the idea that was embraced at our founding, the, uh, the, the concept, the evils of, of slavery, that is now gone. So now the part of our founding that was bad has been removed. And I'm not saying there's not any consequence I'm for any people or anything like that. I'm simply saying that it's been removed. The good ideas 
remain. And candidly, the radical left attacks the good ideas as well. They want those other ideas out of there because they stand in the way of their controlling our every move, the way that we act and think and vote and empower them and so forth. But the bad idea was was removed, and there stands these fundamental truths and principles. That's the correct theory. Critical race theory is the antithesis of that, and it's dangerous. And I got to take a break. When we come back, I want to share a conversation I had with uh, with Dan Ferraro, teacher again, who's dealing with this in his local district. And I just want you to be aware of what's going on and to really, to me, where the rubber, rubber meets the road here is what's happening in your local district. So quick time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk back here in just a minute. As you know, we talk about race. We talk about some of the things going through our educational system, critical race theory. These things are front and center in today's education world. Um, you hear about some of these things when we interview Matt Lamb uh, from the College Fix. And so I have the pleasure today of speaking with Dan Ferraro, who is currently still a middle school teacher at Henley Middle School. This is in Albemarle Schools, Albemarle County Schools in Charlottesville, Virginia. Dan has run into some issues with uh, critical race theory and what his school is effectively trying to teach to students. Uh, and then, well, he'll tell the story here in a minute. Dan, it's good to have you. How are you today, sir? Thank you for having me. Um, glad to be here. Well, I appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate you. Uh, sharing your story because folks need to know, I guess, the dangers and the the risks of what's going on and some of what's going on kind of behind the curtain within within the public schools themselves and how the they're applying pressure um, are really, in your case, it sounds like, uh, potentially terminating folks that don't toe the line and push this worldview and ideology. So really quickly, can you summarize um, – what it is that your school district is trying to implement from a curriculum or from a policy perspective, um, and then what you did, and then maybe some of those those repercussions. Can you kind of walk us through the story here in a couple of minutes? Sure. So Albemarle County Public Schools, um, along with basically the, the state of Virginia or the Commonwealth of Virginia, um, is going for this concept of needing to have uh, anti-racism uh, as, as a policy um, to weed out the admitted systemic racism within the school division and within the country that they claim. So, hey, they could speak for their school division, but the country itself, I don't think they should be allowed to speak for that. However, um, in the, the work of teaching, there's always these different um, programs going on um, and some of these programs have been going on for quite some time. And there's certain acronyms and keywords that really let you, that, let you know that this is based on critical race theory. One of them uh, adopted by the school division is called culturally responsive teaching. And although it doesn't have that overt connection, you'll run into certain things where it, it's based on looking at everything through a cultural lens. And so if you look at everything through a cultural lens, you'll start to get right into the overlap with critical race theory. 
Um, their policy at Albemarle County or their recommended teaching strategies include the, the three CRTs of culturally responsive teaching. CRT number three is culturally responsive teachers build positive learning partnerships with students and families. And it goes on to, to talk about um, how students will achieve when the relationships are strong and the relationships with uh, parents are strong and you become partners. So in the spirit of partnership, um, because I was not comfortable with something, um, be it the lessons on um, what they called, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think, you know, the names change a lot, but sure. this was called Cour Courageous Conversation. Mm -hmm. It was first Courageous Conversation about race, but then as some people started to not want to talk about it so much, they took the race off and they said, well, it's Courageous Conversation. Based on a book by this guy, uh, Gene Singleton, who's one of the growing number of, um, as, as I call them, uh, you know, false prophets. Mm -hmm. uh, and in education, they, you know, sometimes they, being administrations, will latch onto an idea, be it a whole state of administration or a, a local division. Um, well, in this particular school division, who's been doing culture responsive teaching for a while, um, there's some good things in that. And one of them, of course, is that uh, par partnering with parents. So I saw the slides that were coming up in teaching this. I'm teaching this in um, in advisory, which is basically homeroom. Um, and you teach that to students to look at everything uh, through cultural lens and stuff like that. But now it is much more in line with um, critical race theory and even the work of this particular guy, uh, Ibram X. Kendi, mm -hmm. who is, he's got another, he's got an influential um, book as well. And they're, they're the latest trends, right? In this, like, we're not racist kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the, the idea is this county is, is diverse in some of the schools, but the western area of it, uh, where Henley's located, is not. And it is in that area that there has been signs of racist treatment to students, especially those in special education, where um, the color of your skin kind of did have something to do with placements of students, as I had found in special education. Um, and the school division does say that the purpose of the policy is to um, recognize the institutional racism that's existed um, in the school division, and it's a legal and moral imperative Right, okay. So l let me pause here to make sure that just the snapshot is is understood by our listeners. So the school district starts this program, which um, culturally responsive teaching, and there's a portion of it called courageous conversations. And it's from your vantage point, um, addressing and then pushing some of the, the same sorts of things that you see from critical race theory. And so you got the, the information and a PowerPoint or something from, from the district. Google Slide, Yeah. Okay. And you shared that, I think with, with parents, um, just because you said, Hey, I don't really know what, you know, I just, I feel like you guys need to know what they're wanting us to do in the classroom. Here's what we're going to yeah. supposedly have to be teaching. Um, maybe here's some options. I just want you to know this because I'm not comfortable with this. I feel like you need to know. Is that a, a fair summary of, of kind of how this started? Yes, it is. The The anti-racism policy um, is a, a new school board approved policy that they're very happy about. 
because it's one of the first ones that's been out. Like they're really excited that's one of the first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sometimes is a danger to that because, oh yeah, you know, they might not have thought it all the way through. But here it is, policy. The next step is to now start teaching students uh, under the guise of that policy to, you know, transform the, the racism right out of the schools. Mm-hmm. So then, with go ahead. With um, the with students that have no idea or any concept of of race. Sure. By the way, like they're totally just kids being kids, and okay, so there's not a lot of different looking students in their classroom. Well, the principal of, of the school actually said that that's that that's the biggest problem that they have is that it's not diverse enough. That there's there's too much, um, you know. Uh, Caucasian students, I think she even said. So, okay, so so you sent out this PowerPoint to the the, uh, the your your parents of your students, and you faced repercussions for this uh, by your school principal, Doctor Costa. Is that correct? Yes. So. Explain what happened then, because technically you, you and I talked about this on air. You um, are have only been a teacher there for a couple of years, so you're um, they still have the flexibility of not renewing your contract each and every year. And they've she's made a recommendation not to renew your contract, but you you believe based upon what she's said to you, um, it has to do with how you handled. Um, your will, you know, your willingness to, I guess, just share this and push this on your students without involving the families. That that's kind of what I'm getting from you in our conversations off offline. So maybe paint that picture. Yeah. Doctor Costa finds out you forwarded these slides to parents. She confronts you. Ex- explain what happens next. Well, what happens next with with me is that my my principal, Doctor Beth Costa, was you know, very, um, very interested and eager to start this program. Now, initially, it wasn't called a pilot program to teachers. But when it started to go awry, and phone calls started coming in from parents about it before even started, they started to say, well, this is a pilot program, and we're going to learn from this. And we'll make mistakes, and that's okay, because it's a pilot program. So there's a mistake that, well, a claimed mistake that I made. And that is, I shared the uh, Google Slides version of the lesson that was coming up next because it was controversial to me uh, because it quoted um, Ibram X. Kendi stating that the United States is a dangerous and racist society overall and that we as teachers are to help guide the students through this. Um, And I don't, see eye to eye on that sure the school division has its reasons to um talk about not being racist because i did see evidence of of what they call systemic racism within the school division um when i first arrived in my first year as a special education teacher and you know that's a whole nother situation but i could see that in the process of placing students in special ed or not had sometimes to do with with uh with skin color, which was not a good thing. And, of course, I I looked into that um, more in terms of student abilities and how they tested and all the things within special ed law, but um, I feel like there could have been some of that behind it. Well, 
no wonder that this is a school that they want to be the first ones to roll out the anti-racism policy. But within this um, school and school division, I've learned over, the, over my time there, one big thing is called culturally responsive teaching. And that is intertwined into everything that we do. And they vehemently say it's not critical race theory, just has the same acronym. Um, but in Albemarle County, it is on record uh, with the culturally responsive teaching recommendations for teachers that um, the, it's to create a learning partnership is, is number three the, of the three priorities. And it's culturally responsive teachers build positive learning uh, and partnerships with students and families. In that policy, I felt like, you know, I need to partner with the parents here because this is going to be tomorrow. And I don't want to like go on record saying that I agree with this or students perceive that um, seventh grade students are influenced by yeah. adults very, very easily. Yeah. Well, it's middle and school children. Yeah. And, and, and you're, this is stuff that many parents are not going to agree with. They're going to have a problem that their child is being told that this nation is the same nation that Ibram X. Kendi is out there talking about, which is the antithesis to what I see this nation is founded upon. And there's going to be parents upset. So your principal got wind of this and she confronted you. Tell us about that, that conversation. What, I guess, how did that go? What did she tell you? Oh, okay, sure. I, so I was, I was in my classroom on a, on a prep, like just wipe my brow, like, whoo, we got through that one, you know, mm-hmm. taking a quick break one. The very next day uh, after I noticed the slide and I um, said, I'm going to um, contact parents and see what, you know, where, whether they stand on this and, and partner with them. And I didn't know what was going on. Apparently I was supposed to have a meeting. Um, and this is one of the things that comes with me and my ADHD. Occasionally I might forget what day it is or miss a meeting or not write it down. Um, and that's kind of, you know, uh, a thing where I was trying to build accommodations for as well to, to enhance my job. But nonetheless, on that day, she said, she came to my classroom, uh, Dr. Beth Costin said, oh, Dan, we're supposed to have a meeting, a performance evaluation meeting. And I was like, oh, gosh, yeah, I think I forgot. And I'm pretty sure I, I did that day, or at least she was convincing enough. And so she said, oh, well, come on down to the office. And we went to the office, and there was um, – one of the assistant principals there, kind of just as witness, I, I would think. But usually it's just one-on-one for a review mm-hmm. meeting. And so I sat down and she said, well, okay, so this time we're going to do the review at another time. We're going to use this time because I've got um, this complaint from parents. And I said, a complaint? Okay. And she said, well, not quite a complaint, but there's parents that are not think they, um, they don't feel comfortable with you teaching this uh and i said the parents don't feel comfortable she's like well there's one that you had sent an email to and i have that email she said that she was going to opt her child out and that's not so concerning but there's another email that you sent that um was i said okay and i know what she's talking about now so they present me with an email i sent to the other 14 parents in that same class because i wanted to reach out to them this first one was kind of what triggered me to think, oh, I'm not so sure about what's going on. Like, they're very reasonable people. Why are they against this? And so I myself thought that was important. And then I had went back and looked at what was coming up next. And I was like, oh, my gosh, 
wow, I don't think the parents had an opportunity to opt out. So I shared them the information uh, with the Google Slides of what was in the, the, you know, the file folder that was supposed to be where we would get that information from because I was teaching the next day. And that email, when I sent an email in the spirit of having a partnership with parents, um, was why my principal effectively said that you've broken school board policy and we're going to investigate. And at first, I was just like, investigate what policy? Well, we don't know what policy you've broken, but we're going to investigate and we'll come back and we'll tell you what policy you've probably broken. Okay. I need you to and pause the there. The story, yeah, I need you to pause there, Dan. We need, I need to take a break here. Well, so um, <laughs> for formatting time here, let me, let's take a break. I've got Dan Ferraro, Henley Middle School out of uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. He's a teacher and he's been dealing with critical race theory um, and just talking about that. This, this can happen at, at your school. That's why I want you to, to hear this from, from Dan. Quick time out back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. You know, I just as I'm listening here and thinking about the you know conversation, the context, critical race theory, I I just and I know you you know the risks and dangers here, but there are some well-meaning, smart people that get, I guess, caught up in this and don't really. Uh, see the, the the risks and dangers here because they accept this stuff at at face value. the The radical left, the radical left, is incessant in their attempt to transform our culture and society. They are radically committed to making this place different than as it was founded, different in really really bad ways really bad ways. This is the radical left and the people that are a part of some of these ideas. And these are, these are strategies. These need to be viewed as, as tactics and strategies and ways to basically manipulate people through guilt. I mean, you think about how all these things have lined up recently, critical race theory, white supremacy, white guilt, I mean, you have places now. Did I see? Huh, was it Seattle? Someone was was charging a fee for. I think it was Seattle. If you were white and wanted to attend this rally, you had to pay a fee, a reparations fee, or some such. Reparations. That's another thing. You see how these things all line up, and 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 what are the solutions being pro- provided by the the folks that are using these tactics? Are they not? Leftist? Are they not anti-American? This needs to be understood for what it is. This is an attempt when it gets into the public education system in general. It's an attempt for all people to mislead and deceive as to what this nation is. Um, it's, it's, it's intended to make people despise their nation, feel ashamed of their nation, want to change their nation. And it sets up the people that are promoting this nonsense as the people who have a solution. Well, here's the problem. Let me explain what the problem is. 
articulate the levels of white supremacy, explain to you why you should, you should have white guilt, explain to you why you should uh, accept this notion that reparations should be paid. And by the way, you should shut up and sit down and quietly accept what we're telling you because uh, your implicit bias is so deep, you don't even know how bad you are. And here I am to tell you all that, and I've got the solutions. Happens to be, by the way, that these are socialist and even communist beliefs in some instances, and now you just have to accept those because that's the only way we can fix this. That's the only solution here. That's what's happening here. And to hear... uh, I mean, some some smart people, many times people that I, I love and respect, just not see this for what it is. It's it's mind-numbing to me. It's maddening to me. And the question is, is this happening at your school? And that's what I talk with Dan about in this next, uh, this next segment of our interview, which I've got to take a break and we'll get to that. But what – did, was this shocking this, that this happened at your school, Dan? Um, you know, paint the picture of of how we got there. What should people here, well, no matter where here is, in other districts be thinking and doing in order to uh, be on the guard and on the lookout against this stuff? So that's what we get to next. Sit tight, and we'll continue that conversation with Dan after the break. Back in just a minute. Dan Ferraro, middle school teacher in Charlottesville, Virginia. We've been talking about his experience with his school district regarding um, some elements uh, of, of critical race theory being pushed out through curriculum to the students. So, Dan, we were took our break. You were in a meeting with the principal and assistant principal, and Dr. Costa, the principal, was basically informing you that um, she would – I believe, as I understand you, not be recommending your contract for renewal, effectively meaning you were going to be terminated or at least you wouldn't be working there in the future. So what reason does she give you at that time um, for for terminating you or for not renewing your contract, I should say? Right. Um, So in that conversation, she she just flat out stated, she said, well, Dan, uh, the thing is your views are inconsistent with the direction of Henley Middle School. Hmm. And then she went on, you know, about, oh, we can't have that and everything like that. The interesting thing was she told me that, but then the paper that she handed me, that's the processing paper mm-hmm. of, you know, the letter that says it, that I signed and acknowledged that I got it, that letter doesn't cite that. It goes into some other reasons, I guess, they found on the, the um, investigation. So that's what she told you. In that room, your views are inconsistent with the direction of Henley Middle School. Basically, your worldview doesn't line up with some of this radical nonsense that we're trying to force. That's a, that's what I hear anyway. What we're trying to force on yeah. on these students. So that's what's going on. You're still technically on staff there uh, because the board has not officially voted to not renew your contract. Um, but that appears to be the path that we're we're on, and I guess. We're waiting to see where that all shakes out for you. But I want to ask you, if were, were you surprised by this? That is, are these developments something that flabbergasted you, that surprised you a little bit, or that they're, they're totally predictable just with your school district and your community? Is this something that you 
ever envisioned happening. Um, basically being let go because your worldview, based upon the conversation you're explaining to us, did not align with the, the school districts. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I like that word that you used there, flabbergasted. Truly, it was flabbergasted, um, even more um, outraged or in disbelief. I mean, it, it, I could, I'm a language arts teacher, I got a ton of words there. But <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it is, as I mentioned, the culturally responsive teaching that they've been doing for a while states that you should build a partnership with parents. And so, yeah, I was very shocked that I was, you know, getting uh, fired for um, doing exactly what they asked me to do. Like one department, the, the instruction department is like, this is what you should do, make partnerships with parents. And okay, I'll follow what they do. But then the school board policy department is like, yeah, but we made up this anti-racist policy. And, you know, you kind of broke that. And by breaking that, you broke like eight other policies. So what advice or what would you tell parents? Because, you know, you're in the schools or you're in that particular school. You're, you're, you see some of the stuff that, you know, parents were, were just not privy to. They're not in those meetings. They don't see some of the trainings and so forth. Would the average parent who sends their child to, say, your school district, would they be would they be surprised by some of these things that are being discussed uh, behind behind closed doors? Some of this, the, these teachings, like what you're talking about here, the the focus on critical race theory, the focus on a lot of folks may think, you know, back when I went to school, it was reading, writing, and and arithmetic, right? So now it's <laughs> yeah. now we're trying to culturally mold and shape our kids into being uh, this well. A kind of a, a model of, of a utopian radical leftist almost in some instances would would parents be surprised is it is it not as bad as some may think i guess give us a little bit of insight there oh parents are very surprised um and that was one of the reasons that uh beth costa was so upset that i shared information with parents because she didn't want them to know mm. what we were going to be talking about them in school in fact, there is one of these slides um, that an, another teacher reported to me who, who was um, also upset about it but afraid to speak out. One, there was a place where she said it, it really says in there um, not to talk about uh, what we talk about at home because it would be out of context. Mm -hmm. Actually warning students, you know, what happens in advisory stays in advisory. That doesn't sound very transparent um, to me, Dan. No, and transparent is a word that's used a lot and thrown a lot, thrown around a lot in Albemarle. And I wonder if they throw that word around because they're not transparent and they want to give the illusion that they are. Yeah, me thinks you protest too much at some point, right? You you make such a big fuss about how transparent you are to maybe trick people right. into thinking you're transparent when in reality you got a whole lot to hide, which is kind of what this is sounding like to me the more I hear the more I hear your story. So Dan, is there, um, I, I guess what happens next for you? What, what are the next steps? What, what are you waiting on? Are you right. you're still in this holding pattern really quickly? I just have a minute here. I'd call it a holding pattern because although the superintendent, Dr. Matt Haas, uh, who incidentally recommended we re read this book by Sal Alinsky called rules for radicals. Perfect. But yeah. That's for another day. <laughs> <laughs> um, this superintendent has not put forward his, a recommendation to the school board to not renew my contract. So that is a formality because I've followed the school policy through everything and nothing changes. 
Um, so that formality would be at the next board meeting that they decide to do this, then they would certify that, and then I'd be out of out of work. And what's next is this was my first year teaching uh, language arts after several years of special education, and I'd like to teach language arts at Henley Middle School without the critical race uh, theory intertwined into everything. But unfortunately, that is what the policy is. And so I'm waiting to find out if indeed they're going to carry that out and fire me for building partnerships with parents. Hmm. Well, Dan, I appreciate you for speaking out. I mean, this this is uh, just in, it's pervasive. It's it's all over the place. It's it's invaded the you know every level of our society, culture, media, politics, entertainment, education, and you're dealing with this on the front lines. And I. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. I appreciate you shining a light on this. And I hope this serves as a catalyst, <clears throat> excuse me, to get to get parents involved because folks, that is that is the way that this gets stopped. It's it's teachers like Dan who are willing to call out this nonsense that are being uh, that's being forced upon students and it's parents saying we are not going to go for this anymore. These, this school board that's in place in your county does not have to remain in place. This administration does not have to remain in place. And if parents hold these folks accountable in their own local community, there will be change. And we'll have more teachers like you who are actually there to teach what they're supposed to be teaching instead of transforming students into something that they're not supposed to tell mom and dad about at home around the dinner table. So, Dan, thank you so much. God bless you, sir. And I appreciate hearing your story today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. All right. So can this happen in your child or your child's school system and your school system for students who may be listening is it happening is it happening in your school system in your school district could be surprising to find out the only way to stop this is engagement and you see school boards all across this country facing pushback from parents and good and folks people that actually are in districts who voted for biden this upsets people from all over the place i've got to go Thanks for listening. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.